0: And welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. The first 78 episodes of Fortune's Wheelhouse offer a card-by-card breakdown of occult correspondences and symbolism in the tarot. If you're a new listener, you may want to start there. In this season, we've been leveling up and examining each correspondence system on its own. First, we looked at the seven traditional planets in tarot, and then at the numbers one through ten in tarot. And with this set of episodes, we're doing a deep dive into each of the twelve signs of the zodiac in tarot. Remember, if you're diving in at random and one of us says something utterly opaque, we have lots of resources on our website to help with some of the more obscure esoteric doctrines that we deal in. That website is www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. There are also a couple of other places where you can check in with us online. You can visit Mel at tabulamundi.com and you can visit me at tsusanchang.com. You can also join over 650 smart, nice, and most importantly, like-minded friends at the Fortune's Wheelhouse Academy group on Facebook. As you know, each episode we have a giveaway. The prize for our last episode on the sign of Virgo was an eight by ten print of the Hermit from one of Mel's decks, and our winner was Samuel from LA. Congratulations, Samuel! If you're not Samuel, you can always you can always order your own print of the Hermit, or any other selection from Mel's stunning collection of Major Arcana by visiting her website www.tarocart.com. In this episode we'll be talking about the sign of Libra, ruled by Venus, goddess of beauty, attraction, and allure. For this journey through her airy realm of Libra, I am offering this week's winner a rare prize, a custom perfume based on your sun, moon, and rising signs. I don't offer this prize often because making custom perfume is a complex process of selecting sign-specific scents, choosing a day and hour appropriate to the zodiacal rulers, which hopefully won't be a day my allergies are acting up, and then there's the alchemical act of composition itself. If you're hearing this and you think, I must, must, must have my own custom perfume, and if you don't wish to trust to fate and our random number generator, you can always order one at my Etsy store, www.etsy.com slash shop tarotista. As always, all Fortune's Wheelhouse patrons at the $3 level or higher are automatically entered in the drawing. If you're not a patron, and you would like to be, you can sign up at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. And now, here's this week's episode. Hello, everybody. We are here to talk about the sign of Libra today and its appearance and manifestation throughout esoteric tarot. Uh, We're going to be talking first and foremost about the justice or adjustment card, which is associated with Libra, Uh, the two, three, and four of swords, the decanic minor arcana of Libra, Uh, the queen of swords, who holds the first and second decans of Libra, and the knight of cups or prince of cups, who holds the third decan of Libra. We also can talk about the ruler of Libra, who is Venus, and therefore the empress card, and the elemental or air major associated with Libra, which is the fool. So just going through the the technical specs on Libra, its polarity is positive or yang or masculine. Uh, Its triplicity, its elemental triplicity is air, as we were saying. Its mode or quadruplicity is cardinal, and it's, as we said, ruled by Venus, which means that Mars is in its detriment in the sign. It also has the exaltation of Saturn, and the sun is in fall. You know, it's funny, I was thinking, you know, Libra is the so-called masculine sign of Venus, and, and then we go straight into the feminine sign of Mars in Scorpio. Yeah, and that's, funny that's how that works interesting. Out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I looked up the etymology of the Greek term for Venus, which is zygos, which, as you probably know, means yoke, right? Yes. Or scales, balance, same thing, because yoke, a scale or a balance looks almost exactly like a yoke. It has the same sort of purpose of holding equal weights on either side. And then it's got a fulcrum in the middle and, you know, that long balance arm. If you think about it, one thing that's kind of interesting is that there's those references in the Orphic Hymn to Venus to yoking in in mm, several different yes. places, which seem very Libra. Like, in fact, there are like three different... The girdle of Venus, the yes. magic lasso. <laughs> yeah, like... The first one is "Nucteria de lo which is basically, you know, at nighttime, you bind together, mother of necessity, scheming mother of necessity, and yeah, then I like that phrase. Uh, It's also, they say, which means you, you yoke from underneath, you yoke the cosmos together. And then there's another one that says you yoke together mortals in unbreaking chains. So like,
1: over and over. That's very Saturnine, you know, exaltation, it definitely brings in the, the Saturn feel.
0: It really does I mean this this whole thing about what is a relationship but a dynamic that yokes two people together right, and mm. you know so Saturn binds in that way in this sign
1: like a marriage. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The old ball and chain. (laughs) The old ball and chain. It's it's such a funny thing because we think of Venus as being such a sign of pleasure and comfort and Saturn as not.
1: (laughs) Right. Libra is very much involved with contradictions and the two sides to everything.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, we'll
1: talk about that when we talk about the sign, but it, it is what the what it's all about. You know, the two pans of the scale, the two sides to everything, the equilibrium, one thing canceling out another. You brought up the word, uh, was it zygum or zygum? Uh,
0: yeah. Zygus.
1: That's a relative to zygote. Oh, yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. That's cool. Which is the, you know, the, the fertilized egg, the union yeah. of two opposites, male and female. That's right.
0: That's, you know, it precedes even really the embryo stage. It's like when those two um, components come together, that's the zygote.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's and cool. it's really interesting, too, because what follows Libra is Scorpio. And in a sense, that's a, a death of the individual components, you know, mm-hmm. the the sperm and the egg effectively cease to exist, and m- they've merged into one as you yeah. become something else. So there's yeah. life and death in there, you know. It's kind of neat. That sort of theme of two
0: becoming one, or you know, and one versus two, is I think echoed in the fall of the sun in Libra. You know, the sun being an expression of individuality of you know of the yeah. self, and then Libra being really about the other and the way that to then become a new one.
1: But as far as, you know, the time of year goes in the whole, we, we always mention a little bit of the
0: trajectory,
1: mm-hmm. you know, and we're speaking from a Northern Hemisphere perspective, but, you know, around that time of year, things start to turn inward from That's right. Libra is the season of, you know, that inward self-cultivation where you start to perfect a trade or an art or things Mm -hmm. that you share with others with the community and
0: Mm -hmm. there's that
1: sense of of wanting to connect have something to offer and also the fact that
0: you know when winter is coming you need each other you know to make it through the cold time and through the barren time yep Um, but uh but yeah the idea that that everyone depends on on everyone else so in terms of like venus's Nocturnal sign Taurus versus her diurnal sign Libra. You know, one thing that I think about the difference between the two of them is that Taurus maybe has more of the emphasis on comfort, whereas Libra I think of as having more of an emphasis on design. Or, yeah. On the definitely on,
1: on ideals. Yeah. Ideals mm-hmm. of beauty, ideals of, you know, art and um, harmony. <laughs> yeah. Like that. I often think of Libra as is... in harmony. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I often think of the fall fashion shows when I think about Libra because, you know, yeah. it's a season when when design really comes to the front and people wear these things that, you know, are really not comfortable at all, but you know, but yeah. but have a really interesting aesthetic statement to make. Whereas, yep. you know, in Taurus you you just wanna really put on your your comfy bathroom in your velvet <laughs> 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 the elastic waist ones. <laughs> right. yeah.
1: the other thing i think about the difference you know between libra venus and taurus venus are the two forms of aphrodite libra being the heavenly or the celestial aphrodite taurus being the earthy aphrodite the um, one they call pandemos of the people
0: Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we often think of Venus as, you know, Venus as mother and Venus as consort and, you know, the empress as well. And and Libra really does put that emphasis on the consort, you know, sort of celestial partner kind of thing as opposed to the mother of everything. Yeah. Which seems so much more tied to fertile Taurus. Yeah. What about other qualities of Libra? The famous sort of like... (laughs) <laughs> on the one hand, on the other hand.
1: Right, know? that's their probably favorite saying. Uh, yeah, so there are signs that are called dual signs. Mm-hmm. Gemini, the twins. Sagittarius, which is half horse, half archer. Pisces, the two fish. But in a sense, Libra is also a dual sign. Um, it's the All only one that's kind of an inanimate of are, yeah. object, but it's also mm-hmm. the two pans of the scale. It's The scales are kind of like a duality. And you see mm-hmm. that in the sign because... The thing about Libra is there's two sides to everything, and they see that they, they're they're inconsistent and they contradict themselves constantly. So yeah. they're both restless, but they hate to rush. They love to be social, <laughs> but they hate crowds. They're peace-loving, but they're argumentative and play the devil's advocate all devil's the time. Devil's advocate, you
0: know? like, yeah. It's almost like I think there's a drive to make sure that everything is equally and fairly represented. You yes, know? exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're definitely, you know, the diplomats peacemakers. But they're, like I said, they'll always play the. If you want to get the opposite side, just tell a Libra anything. And it doesn't matter what they believe, they're going to take the opposite side <laughs> just to make sure that that gets heard. Yeah. And I think it
0: also kind of exp- explains, you know, the presence of Saturn or the exaltation of Saturn and Libra in the sense that, you know, Saturn forms contracts. Saturn is long term, and they only really work if they're very equal, right? If both people Mm -hmm.
1: perceive that it's equal on both sides. And that's how you get to the idea of truth, is by Mm -hmm. seeing that every idea has its opposite. And by seeing these dualities, you can get to a fuller picture of truth. Right. Than by just seeing one side of something. In fact, In the it almost of, um, a Book of Thoth under the Libra section where he has these little poems, the one for Libra says, balance against each thought, its exact opposite, for the marriage of these is the annihilation of illusion.
0: Any one point of view is not going to be the be-all and end-all truth. You cannot free yourself of bias. However, you can arrive there by balancing through the other point of view.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's how many Libras—they're known for being indecisive. Although they would argue that they're not indecisive at all. <laughs> 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 but um, they're—they're they're known for taking a long, not liking to be rushed into making a decision, and taking a long time to come to a decision, and asking everyone's opinion about that decision. What do you Mm -hmm. want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? But getting every opinion before, you know, before they come to a conclusion. And and part of that is to to gather all this information and come to a truth. And part of it's also so that they can blame someone else if they choose wrongly.
0: Well, one thing I've learned about dealing with indecisiveness, you know, when it comes to the decision point for Libra is that to just like be flexible because they need that or just have a strong opinion just to give them something to bounce off of. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a cardinal sign, but it, it, it needs something to initiate yeah, the cardinality really of, the, yep. of the sign. It is. It
1: is. You got to remember that they're cardinal and they are doers in their own way. Uh, well, they definitely are known for seeking you know fairness, justice truth, harmony, peaceful, pleasant environments um yeah, yeah. They, symmetry they they want things to be symmetrical, and they themselves are often highly attractive and symmetrical featured people mm-hmm. um great smiles, very charming
0: mm-hmm. charming
1: people that you know that really get along with others.
0: Yeah, and I think you once said, you're lucky enough to have Venus and Libra, I think, and, you know, that that's a placement that's particularly uh, good for physical grace or something like that, I think.
1: Well, physical symmetry. Although Libra Mm -hmm. is known for grace, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. say I'm known for grace. (laughs) (laughs) I do, however, have physical symmetry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, and symmetry is. One of the universal standards for beauty, right, is that you right. can see symmetry in the figure, figure or face. So, uh, and the other thing that's kind of interesting, so justice is a cardinal virtue, right? So there's justice, fortitude, uh, temperance, and uh, prudence. prudence. Yep, and it's the only one that's always depicted as a woman, so mm. Venus, right? Which is interesting, right? I guess it has to do with the mythology of of libra which we'll talk about later but but the idea that that justice is in some way this feminine quality is is an interesting one and the idea that you know in a way you can think of venus herself as presiding over the balance between the scales being the woman satisfied between the scales
1: yeah i kind of think of uh libra as the fulcrum you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're that they're that point that always trying to weigh things yeah i also think of the muses as being particularly libran and venusian you know i
0: I agree i agree the arts yeah shall we talk a little bit more about the majors the justice major justice or adjustment which is i think an important distinction actually the the emphasis in thoth is on something that's quite different from the emphasis in Wade Smith, I think. Mm. And it's important to be able to draw on both sets of interpretations because they each have something to offer. And, you know, sometimes one doesn't work, but the other does in the course of a reading. Right. Um As far as the Wade Smith justice card, you know, it's a, definitely a more morality-based justice. You know, the idea of human law, I think derives from
1: from the concept of of justice. That's a good distinction, because I think mm-hmm. the Ra- Wait Smith one is more about human law, while the Thoth one is more about natural law.
0: Absolutely, and in fact. Wait goes on at some length about this. He says that the pillars of justice open into one world and the pillars of the high priestess into another, meaning that he's talking about worldly justice. He's talking about, you know, things of this earth, the decisions that we make as to what's fair, as opposed to uh spiritual justice or the idea of being spiritually chosen or predestined in a way, which is not something I usually think of with the high priestess, but I can definitely see the idea that the veil and the pillars of justice are simply a stage that we set in the mortal world versus versus the veil and the pillars and the priestess is literally separating us from a completely different dimension you know <laughs> a, a right. completely different realm that that has to do with with the unconscious and 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 the unseen whereas justice is blind but but its relationship with the invisible is deliberately an act of blinding oneself t- so that one isn't biased. It's very much of this world. and Yeah, uh, it's
1: the idea of being impartial.
0: Yes, exactly. And one thing that I think of, when I look at those sort of like three parts of three decans of Libra, I think of it sort of as a progression from the first decan being the impasse, the the idea that, you know, kind of like in the two of swords that the justice is blind, that idea of the moon presiding over it, like you're, if you're at a moonlit crosswords and you don't quite know where to go. And then the second decan is kind of the sort of justice where you're kind of at a crisis point, and you have to decide. And then the, the third decan of Libra, which is ruled by Jupiter as being, you know, that moment where you balance things out with the scales. So I almost think of the the scales of justice is representing that final deck
1: and where things come to rest in a balance. I see something similar. Um, when I look at the, that progression too, in that, okay. So, so the first deck the two you're seeing duality and that's mm-hmm. the deck ruled by the moon. And it's, it's kind of like a fluctuation, you know, it's that, yeah. that seeing the two, the two sides of the everything, two sides that everything has its opposite. And then in the, uh, Middle Deccan, you learn the truth, however painful, because it's Saturn and right. it's, it's it's bound to time. Um, and then in the final Deccan, the four, it's ruled by Jupiter. So that's all about regaining balance through, you know, the application of these laws and these truths that you've learned.
0: Yes. Yes. Through the through the sort of civilizing effect of Jupiter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah and I and actually I think of the you know the fool if we think of the fool the elemental major as kind of comprehending libra and aquarius and gemini then this first part you know I think of the fool's whole journey as going from ignorance to knowledge but more specifically I think of this first part of the journey as sort of encountering the rules for the first time you know how to learn the rules what are the structures surrounding you uh how do you, uh, you know, the, the 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 Libra being this sort of, um, the justice or adjustment being the dancing partner of the fool, having to acknowledge that there's another entity in the room that you have to mm-hmm. dance with. So there's learning the rules of that. And then in Aquarius, you learn to Think outside the rules or to solve the problem in whatever way it takes, whether it's outside the rules or using the rules to your advantage. And then in Gemini, you have to commit to the outcome, right? Whatever it is, there's, you know, you choose one thing and you exclude all others. But somehow you, you know, in this journey from Libra through Aquarius to Gemini, you get from the point of knowing nothing to the point of being able to make a decision. And each of those sort of structures is necessary,
1: Mm. It is interesting to look at, you know, the air signs in general, all are a different way of, you know, relating to the other. We've got, we've got Libra, that's sort of like in a companionable way. And then we've got, you know, Aquarius that is relating to humanity, as the other, you know, the collective, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, Gemini, the twins, which is the division of yeah, so it's interesting yeah. that the, all the air signs have something to do with, the, you know, a, a relationship with the other. And That's the right. other They're known as thing-
0: the human signs, I believe. Yeah.
1: yeah. Plus Virgo.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The other interesting thing is that, um, you know, the progression through the air signs. So here we are in swords. The two, three, and four, the Libra cards are the first emanations of air. And mm-hmm. you know the swords and the mind and mm-hmm. Libra, the sign, are all by nature conflicted. Yeah. So
0: I think we should talk a little bit more about adjustment as Crowley sees it because that's so important. As you said, it's it's more of a natural reaction, yeah, that like a ca- cause and effect
1: kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I I actually think that you know one really good expression of of what Crowley was trying to get at with the adjustment. Concept is Newton's third law of motion. You know, for every action, there is an equal and opposite. Right, the, butterf-
1: the butterfly effect.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. The idea that no matter what you do, there's an instant compensation just through natural forces. It's not something you decide to do because it's the moral thing to do kind of more like, you know, right. justice.
1: Right? Yeah. That's the difference. There's a definite morality implied in the Wait Smith card that is absent from completely the absent. Card. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. And he, and there was something I was just reading his thing on on adjustment yesterday and there was a passage in it that I had never really thought about before, but he says that you know the french term should be justesse not justice or justice and i thought what the hell does that mean you know they are really two mm-hmm. different french words for that concept so i went down a little bit of a wormhole to try and find out and awesome. although <laughs> both of them you know both of them derive from juste but justesse it means more exactness you know it's like mm-hmm. when somebody says le mot juste they mean the exact word the precise word that sort of hitting the target of exactly what you wanted to say not just which is th- what would be the right thing? You know, what would be the morally right. right thing to
1: do? And that fits even with the, you know, etymology of the word libra, which means mm-hmm. weight or measure. And in some languages, it even is like pound or a unit of measure. Exactly. Exactly. Which the- isn't about morality, it's just about measuring.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. I was watching this video by a French professor who was trying to explain the difference between the two. And I watched it at like 0.75 because it was really, it's hard for me to understand people actually speaking French, but but I finally sort of, and I watched it like three times, and I finally got the gist of it, and it was basically, he was using the judgment of Solomon to represent the difference between justice and justice, and the idea that, you know, splitting the baby in half, that's justice, <laughs> that's exactly fair, right? right? But yeah. the justice was hearing the cries of the mother, realizing she was the right one and giving it to her, that's justice. That's justice, yeah. right? So that's one way to think about, you know, justesse. The adjustment is like this sort of act of instant compensation. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. In, in a very weighed out, measured, as you say, you know, Libra pound uh, way. And whereas justice is something that requires some intervention sometimes. Yeah. And also that that thing in adjustment where she's poised uh, on the very, very tips of her toes so she can, you know, go either way with the
1: slightest. Well, yeah, you know, with the slightest pass. motion of the, the chains of cause. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. He also says that it's the final adjustment in the tetragrammaton formula meaning when the daughter you know becomes the mother mm-hmm. and awakens the the yep. all father the eld and that's really interesting i mean some majors you can tell that crowley believes they're just more important than the others and this is one of mm-hmm. them you know yeah the idea that this is in some ways the whole key the 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 relationship of the fool and um the, and adjustment. The,
1: yeah, a well, sudden, the, the idea code. of awakening the eld means going back to the beginning of the cycle with the yod, and that's the fool, then that's why it's the ox code, lamed, letter lamed. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, versus the ox, which we should alif. probably talk about. The, yeah, uh,
1: yeah, we should totally do Kabbalah.
0: that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, I suppose this is as good a time as any to talk about that. So, so just to unpack that. So the Hebrew letter associated with the fool is Aleph, and meaning ox, and then the Hebrew letter associated with adjustment or justice is Lamed, meaning ox goad. And that, that's something that's really crucial to understanding the idea that, you know. Uh, The ox is this raw force, but it needs somebody to guide it, to dance with it, to sort of steer it in the right direction. And that's what we get in adjustment or in Lamed. Without adjustment, there is no dance. Of all of the arts of Venus, dance is absolutely implicated in uh, in Libra. Definitely. And the other thing that, that I've heard about Lamed as a teaching concept is that it's important because it's not learning for its own sake, you know, when you're teaching someone with the ox code. It's the idea is that it spurs the student on to action, to actually do something and to create something. And another thing that's interesting about it is that Lamed is. Actually, the tallest letter, I didn't realize this till yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it's like like a
1: serpent that it's like, look peering up like a Loch Ness monster. or something.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And that first stroke, the one that's sort of like, before you go to the curve of Lamed is above, above the baseline of all of the other letters of the Hebrew alphabet. It's also considered the central letter, because it's the 12th, Mm -hmm. you know, it's 22 letters. So, you know, that makes sense as the fulcrum, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. The fulcrum of the scale. And it's also the first letter in lev, which means heart. Another thing that's really interesting is if you take the those three central letters, Het, lemed, mem, and put them in reverse order, mem, lemed, Het, you get melech, which means king. So there's this phrase, Melech Melachim, which means like the king of kings, which is considered to be sort of a, a secret key at the center of the alphabet, which I thought was kind of cool. It's the source of everything.
1: The central position is kind of interesting, too, just in light of the time of Libra containing the September equinox, which is, mm-hmm. you know, the balance of light and dark. Yeah, and the idea that it actually is... The last of the upper Sephira
0: feeding into the, the central Sephira, um, the Gevora to Tiferet. And that idea of severity and beauty being a, um, an interconnected passageway is, is really interesting to me. I mean, there's, there, there is a severity about Libra. And even though the Sephira Givora is associated with Mars, think of that kind of, Libra Saturnine kind of you know austerity as being when I think about severity and beauty I think about the beauty of the law the symmetry of the law which is something Mm. that legal scholars are always truth is
1: beauty beauty truce yeah
0: yes that is all there is and all you need to know (laughs) yeah yeah
1: but it's like the sword you know the the sword of Gavora prunes away everything until it gets to the balanced state of Tiferet and
0: you know what's super cool is that if you take the Waitsmith Justice card and you stick it on the path between S- Givorah and Tiferet, the sword points up at Givorah and the scales point down at Tiferet. So there is, you know, the the sword on the upper left of the card representing the martial force, the, the harshness, the punishing, and the scales representing the balance and harmony <laughs> <laughs> of the sun, you know, in Tiferet. Which is a cool yeah. thing to do. One of those cryptic, <laughs> hidden cabalistic references that we see throughout Wade Smith. So, yeah, so we already started talking about the Deccans a little bit, but um, just to talk about the Decanic Minor specifically, we have the Two of Swords, which is peace or peace restored. Uh, we have the Three of Swords, the infamous Lord of Sorrow. And then the four of swords, which is the lord of truce or of rest from strife. And one thing that I think that's really interesting about that rest from strife is that, you know, we think of strife as five of wands. But actually, Crowley says something in the five of cups, which comes next zodiacally, that suggests that that's the that we were coming from a place of what seemed like peace and, you know, like everything was okay. So I almost think that there's a relationship between the Four of Swords and the Five of Cups that has to do with going from a state of at least tenuous balance to one that's definitely whack. (laughs) But let's talk a little bit about the Deccan imagery from Picatrix and Agrippa. And I think the first one is probably the most easy to To kind of grapple with the Two of Swords or the Libra 1 imagery, where Picatrix has a man who has in his right hand a lance and his left hand a bird hanging by its feet, which birds are creatures of air and that's kind of a Libra thing. Agrippa has an angry man with a pipe and a man reading a book. You know, both of those are kind of cryptic images, like everything in Picatrix, but the signification in both of them is the same, which is the idea of justice and the idea of, you know, basically helping the weak and unempowered against the
1: powerful and strong. There's definitely, you know, even though they are cryptic, there's definitely some juxtaposition of contrast, just like the Two of Swords, you know, the duality of An angry man, and he's got a pipe, and that seems, you know, Mm -hmm. really angry and about to beat somebody or something, and then calmly reading in a book. Like, those two states.
0: Yeah, it's almost like one is the remedy for the other, or the books of the law, in some way. And then, you
1: know, the Mm -hmm. other image, the uh, tricks image, the lance in the right hand, I mean, that seems like, very active, like, masculine, mm-hmm. active, Lance, right hand, and then in the left hand, that seems more feminine, passive, the bird hanging mm-hmm. by its feet.
0: Yeah, that's true. So, that, again, that's,
1: like, a duality going on.
0: Yeah, and it also makes me think of the detriment of Mars in the sign, you know, it's sort of like, how do you deal with anger? You know, how do you mm. how do you address that? And sometimes the only thing you can do is to create a a space, you know, create a place where you're not aggravating it. And to me, that's kind of the piece of uh, of the Two of Swords, you know, the idea that it's not necessarily peace forever, but it's a peace where you can be and try to work things out. Um, mm. Also true of the Four of Swords. And you know, I often think of the two of swords with its sort of cut off swords on the edges and the 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 hoodwink and everything as being an initiatic card. The idea that you don't know everything, right? And just being able to say that is yeah. a place of peace. Yep. And then we have a, something that goes on with, with Picatrix that's very odd. I think Paul Husson points this out in Mystical Origins of the Tarot, that, you know, you have what's essentially a really positive uh, set of significations in Libra 2, and then a rather negative set of significations in Libra 3. And his theory was that the Golden Dawn just mixed it up. But I don't quite buy that. You know, because the three of swords no, I don't is so dark, and the four of swords is relatively peaceful. I think you can get there. You know, I mean, I think the way to understand that is we talk about in in Libra too. This is the joyous journey, the bridegroom, the man in the comely garment. And also two furious men's. <laughs> but they talk about good living and the good things in life, um, indignation against evil. You know, and I think that this card has always, I'm sure we talked about this in the Three of Swords, has always had a lot more going on than the apparent pain of the, you know, of heartbreak that's depicted on it. It really is a card of contracts and, and marriage, you know, mm-hmm. of um, the solemnizing of oaths. Saturn yeah. in its exaltation, I think, reinforces that, I think. And it really
1: in it- manifests in the three, because then that is literally mm-hmm. Saturn and Libra, Saturn right. in the sign of its exaltation.
0: And in exaltation, in- we don't really usually talk about this that much, but exaltation and rulership from a human-centered point of view simply mean that the the, the, the planet is expressing itself in It's way that's most amenable to human life. You know, it's like most pleasant for us. (laughs) You know, it doesn't mean it's, uh, most constructive. When a planet's in detriment, then it's going to behave in a way that we don't like. Doesn't mean it's not doing its planetary thing. It's still being itself, but exaltation is sort of lights the way for The most positive and constructive aspects of the planet from a human centered point of view where we can learn from it. And in the case of malefics, not suffer so much from it. Yeah. One thing people should always remember with the three of swords is that it, it rewards fair dealing, the equality of opposites. If you can honor your contracts, you'll do well with the three of swords. And then, and then we've got the, um, (laughs) <laughs> evil works and flavors, <laughs> boys.
1: Oh, the, yeah,
0: <laughs> in in uh, Libra three. That's uh, evil works, sodomy, joy and flavors, uh, adultery.
1: Or, yeah, Yeah, oh.
0: wicked lusts.
1: Yeah, in the image, the man riding a donkey with a wolf in front of him. <laughs> I mean, that sounds it's kind pretty, of dirty. I don't know. It, it
0: does. It does seem somehow really dirty, doesn't it? And you know, it's it's not overt. The other one is also sounds. Uh, dirty the Agrippas a violent man with a bow and a naked man
1: uh, before him a naked before him a naked (laughs) man which
0: definitely sounds and another guy
1: eating and watching
0: (laughs) (laughs) so we've definitely got all sorts of kinks going on in there so how do we get from there to the four of swords right which is such a card of Rest from strife, I think they call it. Peace, diplomacy, you know, truce. The best explanation I've seen of it is really this idea that Austin Kopic has of the eye of the storm, you know, that everything around you is chaotic. Everything around you is extreme. And somewhere in the right. balance of that, you find calm in the center. Rest from strife. Rest from strife, yeah. And the ability to develop that core stillness that allows you to find um, serenity amidst right. the chaos. It's definitely
1: a card of, of the strength, the power of meditation, you know, For to calm sure. the chaos that is the mind. For sure, yeah.
0: And that's something that's, that's always interesting to me about fours generally because we see sort of meditative qualities in both the 4 of cups and the 4 of swords and I don't know why exactly but uh but there's definitely something there about collecting yourself, you know, in the sphere of Hesed before everything uh that's to come.
1: Yeah. Or before or the shit hits the fan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. in terms of those Three decans. I also wanted to say, uh, just talk about the Queen of Swords. Um, you know, I, I always talk about the Queen of Swords as the, the widow, you know, and how mm-hmm. that story of the Ten of Disks or Pentacles and the Two of Swords and the Three of Swords kind of represents the, you know, things that go along with widowhood. The, you know, the, the Two of Swords being kind of the legal settle, settlements of your bereavement, the, the Ten of, Discs being the inheritance, the three of swords being the heartbreak, you know, kind of just ingredients that all go into um, that idea. But I think also it's interesting because uh, we talk about justice always being a female figure. And, you know, and the Queen of Swords really does have a, a an archetypal relationship to the feminine figure of justice herself oh sure you know and if you actually this is something i was thinking about yesterday if you look at the white smith justice and you turn it to profile you kind of get the queen of swords you know so holding up the sword in mm, one hand yeah, and right. the you know and she's got that little yep. mala on her other hand which reminds me a little bit of the way justice holds the scales. so yeah it's interesting oh and and uh and So Ten of Disks is her shadow deck, and I think that, you know, when you take that mix of Ten of Disks and Two of Swords and Three of Swords, she's best off when she emphasizes, you know, what she's learned from her painful experience rather than the material acquisition that's come out of it. You know, you can sometimes hear tales of, you know, widows who become very acquisitive or, I don't know. Or divorces. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. And kind of the curse of the shadow curse of wealth. But the four of swords is interesting, um, as belonging to the prince of cups or knight of cups, whose, uh, main decans are the f- five and six of cups. So, um, I mean, I, I think of the, the prince of cups and we'll talk about this more in Scorpio, I guess, as the artist
1: of extremes, you know? Really really yeah. loves the drama. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. You know, yeah. the, the his main Deccans in Scorpio are are cards of extreme emotional states where yeah. his you know, he's not really that attracted to the the placidity of the the four. <laughs> it's it's yeah. it's a place of retreat.
0: Yeah, I often think of the shadow deccan. I think Libra Theta really thinks of it as a as as a weakness, um, a weak point. I also think of it as like I use the phrase, "They know that place all too well," you know, or it's informed by. It's like um, when you're slipping, that's where you go. Um, there's a phrase. There's a word that I was thinking of that I think is sort of the downside of the four swords, which is the idea of temporizing. And temporizing is is like mediating. It's sort of like, you know, not being either here or there. Wishy-washy. Wishy-washy and basically just stalling for time. And there's which a can, quality. Yeah, that can yeah. be a trait of Libra can be a trait of Libra. And it's sort of like buying time is actually a skill that's quite important when you're dealing with, you know, a true situation, Uh just letting tempers mm-hmm. cool down, but it can also be, you know, just an excuse for an inaction. So, uh, you know, so there's a there's a part, I think, of the Prince of Cups, who has no patience for that, you know, for for having to <laughs> kind of tread water, you know? Yeah. <laughs> A little bit more about the magical qualities of, of Libra. We talked went back in Taurus about Agrippa's working for the first face of Taurus, but there's another one that you can do in the when either the first face of Libra or Taurus or Pisces, which is the exaltation of Venus, is on the ascendant. Um, and that's, you know, drawing the figure of a little maid with her hair spread in long white garments with laurel or apple or flowers, all Venusian, in her right hand and mm-hmm. a comb in her left. And the power no, of that... Left, a comb, what like for hair? A comb. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. Venusian, yeah. That's totally Venusian. And the um, power of that is to make men pleasant, jocund, strong, cheerful, and to give beauty, which all seem
1: pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> when we were yeah. talking mm-hmm. about the court's we probably should bring up the geomantic sign for libra
0: oh yeah the geomantic a, sign of course which yeah. is puella right yep
1: yeah. Meaning girl Meaning which kind of fits with justice as a female figure and um you know
0: yeah yeah the peacefulness and passivity of um puella uh you know it's interesting we talked about uh, Libra's being the the male s- sign of or masculine or yang sign of Venus, but you know when you think about Taurus, it's not like a bull is a super feminine sign, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know symbol, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, Puella the with the uh, sort of key shaped uh, one dot two dot one dot one dot figure
1: said to be the vulva or breasts.
0: Or Vesica Piscis. If you have a really good imagination. If you have a great imagination, (laughs) (laughs) or just a real dirty mind. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's one of
1: those basically positive figures. Yep. And then there's the hexagram for for um,
0: right. Yeah.
1: The Queen of Swords, the Lake Overwind Mm
0: -hmm. hexagram,
1: which is um, uh, said to be something like looking like a beam under pressure. Where, um, and the meaning having something to do with, which sounds very much like the queen of swords, which is standing firm, though alone. Right. I think it's the roof beam, isn't it? Has a lot to do with, you know, karma and 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 law, which sounds very much like Saturn too in Mm -hmm. Libra.
0: Yeah. Um, myths. We talked a little bit about Astraea. We talked a lot about it last episode, um, but also Themis, Estrella being the daughter of Themis, who is the goddess of order.
1: Um, yeah, is- law order goddess. Yeah, actually, she's we- the originator <laughs> of the
0: goddess with the scales idea. Actually, yep.
1: Yeah, there's so we. I think we already mentioned, unless we were talking about it privately. I can't remember now how she bore the hours and the fates. The yep. RA yep. And the, hours and the fates. Yep. Um,
0: Absolutely. Then
1: there's Maat, you know, the uh, goddess of the hall of two truths,
0: mm-hmm. where
1: the heart was uh, weighed against a feather
0: and I saw um, Susan Miller
1: has a section in Planets and Possibilities
0: about uh, myths associated with the sign and she actually associates the judgment of Paris with Libra which is interesting you know because of the judgment I guess you know and because Venus wins (laughs) Venus wins thereby awarding you know the most beautiful woman Helen to Paris and starting the Trojan War Libra
1: to Scorpio, there. But. Yeah, I could see that also as being, <laughs> you know, I, I associate that one with the lovers card, like the Golden Dawn did, but um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but still, I, that fits too. You know, that also fits. There's yeah. also the idea of, you know, the Demeter and Persephone story, just because you know Demeter is a Venusian figure and mm-hmm. and Persephone because of her, you know, abduction by Hades, that seems very Saturnine, you know. So there's a there's a Venus yeah. Saturn. Thing going on with um, yeah Aphrodite and and Persephone a good one for Aphrodite and Persephone that we put into the book was the where they fight over mm-hmm. Adonis yes <laughs> yes and and, yeah. and and it's particularly so the the muse of Eloquent eloquence, Calliope Mm -hmm. had to decide who wins. You know who gets to keep Adonis, and uh, (laughs) her her judgment was that he gets to has to or gets to divide his time equally three ways between Aphrodite, Persephone. and himself.
0: <laughs> I often think in very, very similar vein to the Demeter and Persephone story you mentioned, that I think of the Orpheus and Eurydice story. You yeah, know, I th- really think of that whole, um, I use that to think about the, the journey of the swords cards, because I think of the two, three, and four, you know how we talked about how like, it's learning the rules. And I think of that 2, 3, and 4 is kind of representing, you know, with the blindfold Eurydice, not seeing the snake and stepping on the snake. And then the 3, her death, her um, separation from Orpheus. And then the 4 is like, Orpheus is like, okay, how about an exception for me? <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, you know, what can I do to create a compromise out of this situation that benefits me? The other thing I also think about for justice is the uh well is in terms of like the whole idea of the beginning of the eden myth where it's sort of like how you learn the rules of the game you know so you're in eden there's there's god sort of explaining to you there are these two trees <laughs> you know you're not allowed to eat from this that's the only rule there is and then in aquarius there's sort of like this conversation with the serpent where Eve's sort of like, well, you know, let's think about this and see if we can get around it in some way. And then, of course, Gemini, the lovers, where they're driven out, where the choice is committed to and the consequences accepted and the price paid. But anyway, I like to think of justice as being this like patriarchal god coming down and saying, look...
1: This is how it works. <laughs> the thing we yeah. should talk about is a little bit is just the astronomy. So, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah,
0: the, yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: So, you know, the scales of Libra weren't always, you know, at one time they were said to be held by that goddess Astraea, Virgo. Right. Um, but at one, before that, they were actually part of Scorpio. So they were the claws of the scorpion. So the, all right. We stars... say it all together. Those great names for. Subanel <laughs> Janubi and Subanel Shamali. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, the southern claw and the northern claw. Yep. The yeah, alpha are and beta, beta star of <laughs> Libra
1: or the pans of the scales. Yeah. 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 I love saying those words too. <laughs> <laughs> They're so much fun.
0: <laughs> so nowadays, when we look at uh, Scorpio, we kind of look at it. Truncated because the
1: claws belong to Libra now. Yep. Yeah. Um, And the other interesting thing I read about the constellation Libra is that it was one time thought of as a chariot, the chariot that took Persephone to Hades. No kidding. And that's really interesting if you think of Persephone as Virgo and Hades Mm -hmm. as Scorpio, right? Oh, that's great. And Libra as the sign between them.
0: That's fantastic. That makes a lot of sense
1: yeah yeah i liked that one too
0: yeah the um actually that word that we talked about zugos actually is the, i think if i read the translation right it's uh it's it's even as opposed to odd i can't remember what the word for odd is but zugos is you know used to represent mm. even which makes perfect sense the balance exactly gotta have two of them at least, and even
1: the <laughs> even the you know the glyph of Libra is interesting because it does kind of look like a scale. You've got that kind of omega mm-hmm. on top of the horizon line um, yeah. that, that looks like the pans of a scale. But it also looks like either a sinking or a rising sun. I guess in the northern hemisphere, it would be a sinking sun because we're, we're transitioning from equal day and light into the dark part of the year.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, magical weapons, the cross of equilibrium, and uh, powers as the works of justice and equilibrium. What is the cross of equilibrium anyway?
1: I don't know. It either sounds, it sounds kind of Saturnine to me, doesn't it? It does. I mean, I've like, heard it. Like, are they speaking metaphorically or, you know, like.
0: Yeah, they might be. I mean, I've heard it contrasted. Or comes is it more to... like,
1: you know, the, the, the four-armed Vajra,
0: yeah, I don't know. I started to to research it a little bit, and all I saw was that it was contrasted with the cross of suffering, which is, of course, the Christian cross with the longer lower mm-hmm. arm.
1: But I yeah, I so it's an equal forearm cross if you just want to get. I guess so. Technical mm-hmm. could be where all four sides are equal. I guess
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: But you know, maybe they're talking more like Saturn. You know, the cross that you bear when you try to weigh and judge everything, <laughs> right? Let's see. So parts of the body, we're talking about hips, kidney, buttocks,
0: back. uh, Adrenals and kidneys, yes. Yeah. Kidneys as sort of rectifying organs of the body, I guess, filtering out what's bad. For smells, I've seen galbanum, of course. That's with kind of all the air ones, but especially
1: Libra, mint. I saw deodorant. (laughs) Ew. I hate the smell of deodorant. I'd rather smell sweat.
0: I think it's more the idea of, you know, trying to make balance, things... Balancing yeah. out the stink balance, and sweat yeah, with the
1: stinks. that stinks like chemicals. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, let's see. We also have, oh, sweet tastes, tall straight trees, ash, uh, mugwort. I'm not sure. Oh, mugwort, I suppose, because it's
1: airy and feathery. Aloe. I, I saw uh, roses and blue flowers. Blue flowers. Which roses seems Venusian.
0: Yeah, for sure. Blue
1: flowers, I mean, you can definitely see the, the blue rose on the Thoth Two of Swords.
0: Yes, yes, that's absolutely right. Hair, elephant, spider, large headed birds. I and... think
1: spider is Scorpio.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't you think? It seemed... I was trying to understand that. Maybe because of the weaving or something. I, I don't know exactly where. Yeah, that came I, from. I add
1: spider for Scorpio, honestly. Yeah. But... It makes Which more makes sense. more sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Halloween, the spiders, you know. Mm.
0: <laughs> it does ensnare, though, rather than like, mm. hurting. Scheming
1: mother, yeah, yeah, scheming mother of necessity. Scheming mother
0: of necessity. Men as the animal of Libra, <laughs> <laughs> I think is funny. Uh, that's just a Picatrix thing. Uh, then the um, places are deserts and sands and hunting grounds and high and lofty places. Which is hmm. not what you expect, but they are kind of airy. They airy and dry, qualities. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, minerals. Emerald.
1: Emeralds and copper, which Venus obviously. Of course,
0: yeah. Sapphire Opals too. as the
1: birthstone. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I have a couple of these that don't really make sense to me: peridot, agate, cat's eye, which almost sound more
1: mercurial. Well, but there's that, also uh... sapphires, which that to me is Saturnine, part of yeah. the Saturn part of the uh, equation. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Although there can be like sapphires and Venus colors too. Oh, we should talk oh. colors, by the way.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So they're all the those cool blues and greens of, um, of Venus mostly mm-hmm. emerald, blue, deep blue, green, and pale green. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. Very airy
1: s- colors. Well, they're kind of watery too, but yeah. I guess in this sense they're, yeah. you know, very cool colors of, you know, you'd think of the season being autumn; it would be all the fall colors. But I guess the, these yeah. are, are really cool colors, which the you know here around here yeah. things are starting to cool off.
0: Yeah, and you can really see those beautifully uh, represented on the adjustment card in Thoth and uh, in, in Thoth-based mm. decks like Tabula Mundi as well. All right, okay. So themes of Libra, um, the yoke, uh, for sure. Uh, the scales, diplomats and, the and, and judges, mm-hmm. uh, lovers and peacemakers, temporizing, uh, the one mm-hmm. and versus the other, the exaltation of Saturn and the need for equal relationships and contracts. Design is an aesthetic um,
1: art. Human justice versus natural justice or adjustment. The two Human- sides to everything and the opposite of every thought. Uh, To create the uh, annihilation of illusion and truth. Newton's
0: third law of motion, equal Mm. and opposite reactions. Justice as a female archetype. Beauty and truth. Lamed as the ox goad, as the teacher, as the dancing partner of the fool, the ox, um, as the heart of the Hebrew alphabet.
1: Pros and cons.
0: (laughs) On the one hand, on the other hand. And on the other hand. (laughs) Okay, very good. So um, thank you for considering all sides of the argument with us uh, in this sign of Libra. And we will be back next time with the sign of Scorpio. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you then. And that's our show for today. You can find us at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, where you'll also find new episode announcements and loads of extra articles and visuals, which will help you follow along with the show. If you appreciate what Mel and I have done here at Fortune's Wheelhouse, please consider leaving us a five-star reviewer rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. And if you'd like to support the making of this podcast and gain access to all the member perks that come with that, please consider becoming a patron at any level you like by visiting www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. You can also explore Fortune's Wheelhouse gear like t-shirts, tote bags, coffee mugs, and more by checking out our Redbubble shop. That's at www.redbubble.com slash people slash wheelhouse93 slash shop. Mel's beautiful books, decks, and prints can be found at tarotcart.com, and my book, Tarot Cases, Astrological Perfumes, and Online Tarot Class can be found at tsusanchang.com. Treat yourself to the tarot gift you've always wanted, because you are a hero of the astral plane, and we so appreciate your support.